previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Teenage high schooler Buffy is a high schooler by day, vampire slayer by night. I mean really, how does she get any sleep? She stabs lots of vampires except for one which she kissed until she kissed him so hard, she made him evil. Then she had to send him to hell as he got his humanity back because the world would end or something. There was some reason for it, I don't remember. Then she had friends who also did stuff like nearly get killed by a giant praying mantis mid-coitus or getting possessed by a demon hyena nearly eating the headmaster or falling for an Incan mummy girl who tried to kill people to keep her young form or accidentally cast a spell on every girl in the school except his girlfriend making them wildly attracted to him because he was jealous. Now imagine if all of this happened to one dude. He'd be a pretty big weirdo, right? Yeah, I don't like Xander. Okay, I got carried away. Let's get on with the episode. Once again, uh, this will be the first half of season three because if I were to do all 22 episodes, we'd be here for 40 minutes. And God forbid us have an episode that long because no one would listen to all of it. So, without further ado, episode one. And Buffy, living on her own in a big city, which definitely is New York, assists a woman whose boyfriend mysteriously vanished. Back in Sunnydale, Buffy's friends do their best to battle the forces of evil. So, yeah, Buffy <laughs> had quite a bad time at the end of last season, so I'm pretty glad that they spent at least one episode focusing on her being basically broken down. It's important to show characters as strong as Buffy at their lowest points because when they come back from their lowest points it makes them even stronger. I thought the scene between Giles and Buffy's mum was really interesting because we still don't know how she's taking the whole Buffy's a vampire slayer thing and it sounds like Giles has been filling her in and letting her know what it's like uh, and how that world operates and it turns out that Buffy's mum doesn't like the fact that Giles has basically been her father figure if we're being honest which is pretty mean don't hate on Giles he's great but understandable from her point of view I like how the thing that kicked Buffy out of her funk was the demon who gave her exactly what she wanted and basically trapped her in a place where she could work until she died when no one would miss her and she could just be away from everything and it's like hmm maybe I don't want this. Interesting that they established that time works differently in hell and that you can spend years and years and years there and it'll only be like a day in the real world and it's like hmm it's interesting to me because that crops up uh, in many different places in fiction especially relating to uh, like hell and stuff like that. I wonder when that was established. For the purposes of this show I think they're establishing it because we know that's where Angel is albeit with a sword sticking out of his chest in a very painful looking manner. Actually, you know what? He's probably got that removed by now. He's probably walked into a sword removal shop and the guy's like, yeah, this happens all the time. You wanna believe how many vampires I get in here from people who just don't know that you can't, you can't kill a vampire unless it's a wooden stake to the heart. You know what I mean? People fucking amateurs out here. I think it was definitely a sensible choice to have the person that Buffy met from one of the previous episodes be one from the vampire cult because here is a character who has gone away to this city to live a new life after being obsessed with a vampire and it all coming crashing down around them um, and their boyfriend dying and all this kind of stuff and sorry do I need to spell it out it's bloody parallel in it and the scene at the end of the episode where the door knocks and Buffy's mother goes to the door and opens it and <gasps> it's Buffy I know it's a trope 
That's been done a thousand times in a thousand different stories, but here it punched the gut, okay? And it is ten past one in the morning, and I realistically should not watch another episode of Buffy right now. So that's exactly what I'm gonna do. Episode 2. Dead Man's Party. A Nigerian mask reanimates the dead, forcing Buffy to battle a horde of zombies. I did not like this episode. I mean, firstly on the, oh, poor Buffy side of things, we've got all of her friends yelling at her in the middle of a giant house party that she did not ask for, and it almost felt out of character for them, to be honest. Like, it was to the point where I was wondering if the mask was also affecting their mood, because, I mean, I get that they were angry and stuff, but just the way that they um, sh shouted their emotions at her just felt really kind of out of character, it was weird. In fact, the writing was kind of all over the place this episode, like for instance, Buffy's mum, she we learned that she made a friend while Buffy was away and that this was the friend that she would you know open up to about Buffy and be like oh wow I really just need someone to talk to about all of this that friend gets murdered and turns into a zombie and then disappears at the end of all of this and her mum's just fine with it apparently also it's very convenient that all of the zombies literally disappear into thin air at the end of all of this you don't get a whole bunch of dead bodies piling up like now they're, they're no longer animated nope they literally go zip zap and just poof they disappear also I get that Buffy's mum now knows what Buffy does and all that kind of stuff but like it's still a house party with loads of people from school who just got attacked by zombies and they don't even bother trying to explain that away what it was just kind of an iffy episode all around um for for the reasons of oh no i want everything to be going back to normal for buffy's sake but also from the purposes of just from a writing standpoint this episode was kind of weird one of the things i did like about this episode though was a conversation between buffy and joyce where she was just like I was gonna go out and find my friends if that's okay. And she was like, yeah, yeah, no, sure. Will you be slaying? And she's like, uh, only if they give me lip. And she's like, uh, would you like a sandwich before you go? It's like such a weird, like, oh, this is just normal now. Okay. Episode three, Faith, Hope and Trick. A charismatic slayer visits Sunnydale and wins over many of Buffy's friends. Simultaneously, two powerful vampires plot an attack. Ah uh, yes, the episode that deals with Buffy finally getting over Angel, just for Angel to come back in the very last scene. Mmm, classic Buffy. If I know my Buffy the Vampire Slayer, we're not gonna hear a peep out of Angel for another three or four episodes. They'll let Buffy truly start to move on, and then they'll bring him back, and it'll be at the worst possible time too. I've got to admit, I'm starting to get a little bit tired of that um, Angel and uh, Buffy motif with the I liked the new age vampire um, who was all about ordering food in so that the pizza got left out on the step but the pizza delivery guy he was the real snack. <laughs> that being said you'd think that Papa John's would start to notice that all of their pizza guys are going missing at some point right? Like maybe put a do not deliver to this address out there or something I don't know just an idea. Faith! The ironic naming convention continues. Don't know how I feel about Faith. I think she sticks around. That's a name I'm kind of familiar with. I think she sticks around for the rest of the show. I could be wrong though. There you go, there's something interesting. If you're watching this show, or if you're familiar with this show, you're probably like, Oh my god, he doesn't know, he doesn't know! He knew, he knew about something else, but he doesn't know this. Ooh, he's gonna get a big shock in three and a half seasons. I thought Faith was the demon-turned-human that Giles falls in love with later in the show, but... Um, I guess I got the wrong name on that, unless we're about to learn out about something weird about this Slayer. Because, you know, theoretically anyone can show up, kill a vampire and claim 
playing Burvis Slayer, right? I mean, if you've got the right knowledge, she's probably fine. Just, I don't know, put a cross at her or something, just double check. If I was Buffy, that's what I would do. Anyone who I met that looked like they were going to stick around for more than a week of my life, I would then just shove a cross in their face and see what happens. If they shy away from it, red flag. I loved the scene at the end of the episode where Buffy finally told them the intricacies of how it happened with her killing Angel and everything. And then she she's like at peace with it and then she walks away. And then Willow's like, come on, let me help with a spell. And Giles is like, oh, there is no spell. It's like, oh shit, he just wants to know what happened. Oh shit, Giles is just looking out for his slayer. Oh shit. He's a wily one, isn't he? Wily Jiley. Oh, and one more thing before we move on. Xander immediately making lovey eyes at the new slayer while his girlfriend sitting right next to him gives me about my 37th reason to hate this character. Seriously, Xander, I know you're a teenage boy, but for two minutes, could you please just not? Episode 4. The Beauty and the Beast. Oz becomes a prime suspect when a series of animal-like attacks occurs in Sunnydale. Hey look, Angel's back and at the worst possible time and in the worst possible way. Uh, the only thing I got wrong was how soon it would happen. We've gone from good guy lover boy smolderingly boring Angel to evil vampire super mustache twirling villain Angel to I've just been stuck in hell for 300 years and I've lost my mind, Angel. That's a lot of Angel. Not sure I'm here for it. I did find it interesting that Buffy's reaction to him was just silence and then just like not telling anyone either. Um, damn, I'm sure we'll learn more about her thoughts and feelings as we go forwards, but so far it seems like Angel is a pretty fucked up kind of a vampire right now. We got some Oz the Werewolf drama, which I saw coming, but it was fun all the same. That being said, man... <laughs> I know this show is old, but man, that, that werewolf looks so bad. By the way, I keep forgetting to mention, I really like the redone theme song that they did for for the third season. It's way more punchy, and also the second I heard it, I was like, oh fuck, I remember it sounding like this. I just couldn't remember it sounding like this at season one and two, when it was the old version of the soundtrack. I thought it was clever how they paralleled not just the feral angel with Oz the werewolf, but also with that guy who, um, I'm unclear on what he did, he he made some kind of potion to make himself stronger and then he went a bit crazy, I'm, I mean, actually there's a lot of things about that particular guy who didn't make sense, like they were like, oh my god, the therapist died, but he died in an instant, he was still holding his cigarette. But like, there's we are given no reason to understand why he would have died in an instant, especially when you see his injuries. But sorry, yes, I interrupted myself with a tangent there. That never happens. The parallels between the three were very good in the way that one's a controlled feral creature who's very much a good guy who can't control his feral side, but he does whatever he can when he's in human form to sort that out. One of them is feral because of what he's been through and has lost his mind, but maybe not lost his way completely because he was like, Buffy? And then um, we've got the, the feral one who is uh, the worst monster of all uh, because he made himself that way and he keeps his mind and he still decides to do some murders. So there you go. You've got all three types of monster, even though Giles said there were only two. Although I guess you could argue that Angel and Oz are in the same bracket. I don't know, okay? I'm not an expert or anything here. I think this episode was primarily used to point at Angel and Oz and be like, Hey, look, they're not bad guys because of the way that they are. Look, these, this is what a bad guy looks like when he's the way that he is. So s stop sending emails our way. <laughs> episode 5. Homecoming. 
As Buffy and Cordelia vie for the Homecoming Queen title, they are targeted by a group of killers participating in Slayerfest 98. Oh good, the stereotypical racist cowboy vampire is back and he didn't die in this episode either, meaning he's probably coming back for a third episode. In this episode, Buffy acted like a high school student. Remember that? Remember when she used to do that? Cordelia was like, um, don't be such a bitch and stop trying to act like me because I want to be the homecoming queen. And Buffy was like, um, actually, I want to be the homecoming queen by myself before you even existed, so get out of my life. It's very drama. Also, Angel, I think it's super interesting at the start how we see Buffy talking to him, um, how he's coming along with his mind and all that, and then also how she's basically saying that, yeah, she's still gonna try and move on from him even though he's back and exists even though a few months ago like that would have been all she ever wanted and then her normal human boyfriend promptly dumps her <laughs> oh buffy why can't you just settle down for a nice vampire boy with a soul hmm how about spike he doesn't have a soul yet but he might do in the future oh i'm getting ahead of myself willow and Zander see each other all dressed up and make with the kissy kissy smoochy smoochies in the biggest ron and hermione moment since ron and hermione which actually hadn't happened yet because this is 1998 and i saw this and went no too soon there's still four seasons yet listen if there's one thing i've learned it's that if a ship sails in um too early into a show um, that show thrives on strife and conflict and whatever and creating drama so it's it's gonna be a bad time whereas if it happens at the end of a show it's like yes and they lived happily ever after okay listen i don't actually ship willow and zander specifically i don't really like zander that much but if they get together then willow can finally uh not be like oh no when will zander ever notice me and also zander can stop being like oh no i'm super jealous about everyone else because i haven't realized what i truly want in life hey we finally saw the mayor and he turned out to be a bad guy who saw that coming but also i think worth noting a little bit more is that the principal of a school answers directly to the mayor and it's like oh wait does that mean the principal of schools also evil because to me he feels like the kind of character that they build up to be a bad guy and then have him do like one good redeeming thing at the end of his life but he has been pretty much a stone-cold bastard from day one so maybe not Slayerfest was kind of lame but i did like how they used it as a vehicle to explore buffy and cordelia's relationship which has always been a bit strained and then at the end i really liked the turnaround where it's like oh my god we have a tie to uh <laughs> homecoming queens and then it's the neither of them that was fucking amazing they were so self-involved in their own problems that uh they didn't realize that maybe nobody likes them episode six band candy as in marching band get it band band <clears throat> adults throughout sunnydale begin behaving like immature teenagers after they ingest candy manufactured by the forces of evil or well, you know even rain who's a bit of a cheeky boy this was a silly episode i'm starting to realize that with buffy the vampire slayer you have two kinds of episodes silly episodes and gut-wrenchingly tragic episodes it was fun to see uh, a whole bunch of character expectations get turned on their heads especially of principal snyder i've got to say it is interesting though this episode seems to come from a place of back in the day when it was like oh you had teenagers and then you had adults whereas nowadays we're very much coming to terms with the idea that adults can have lives and flaws and not understand how the world works and all of this stuff but then i guess this could also just be a product of the fact that buffy the vampire slayer is to a point young adult fiction and young adult fiction does tend to uh, show adults in more of a responsible 
a traditional kind of a light and yes of course by and large teenagers are more impulsive and and immature than adults it's just i don't know it's just the, the lines are a little bit more blurred these days or maybe that's just because i'm a 25 year old man child maybe that's my perspective it looks like a prevailing theme of this season is very much going to be the mayor and his vampire chum are up to no good and i'm, I'm not sure how i feel about that it's okay but it's nowhere near as interesting as spike and drusilla were i can't remember if i've already talked about it it might even be in this video apologies i've been recording this video over a longer period of time because i got distracted by world of warcraft uh, shadowlands coming out but there are a number of shots across the series and in this episode specifically where you can totally tell that it's a stunt actor doing it um because i guess these were upscale to hd or i don't even know if what i'm watching is hd but i'm watching it on a hd device so um i guess shots just look clearer to me but i imagine that when you were watching it on like vhs or back on an old crt telly you wouldn't have been able to tell um that there was a stunt actor in some of these shots but in this one it's painfully obvious but i like that because i think being a stunt actor is kind of a thankless job because your entire job is to not be noticed to pretend that you are um you know the actor that you're stunting in for so i actually kind of like this peek behind the curtain to see just how many shots a stunt actor is used for plus it is kind of funny when buffy turns into a 30 year old woman mid-fight just saying oh by the way that implication at the end of the episode that buffy's mum and giles did do stuff episode seven revelations with some help from Faith's new watcher, Buffy seeks to destroy a weapon-like glove before it falls into the hands of a demon. Maybe don't trust every single person who shows up for British accent and says, I'm your new watcher, Faith. When she showed up, I was like, okay, so she's either going to end up being Giles' new girlfriend or she's going to end up being a villain. And then that scene in the office where he was like, oh, I figured out a way to destroy the glove. Um, I was like, okay, her reaction to this is going to really seal the deal and it sure did one way or the other. She was either going to be like, wow, Giles, I underestimated you. Wow, I really respect you. Maybe your methods do work. Maybe I'm a little bit too strict. Um, but no, instead she turned around and she was like, bish, bash, bosh. I love demons, nish, nosh. Nash, nosh, bosh, what? Also, this is a big episode where everyone figured out that Angel was still alive, or unalive, or whatever he is. Xander uh, very quickly went on a murderous rampage, which was kind of not cool, and I don't think Buffy should necessarily have forgiven him that quickly. I think Buffy's definitely, you know, wrong in some ways of like, hey, yeah, he's still dangerous in case he's truly happy again and the curse breaks again and then w what happened to us before could happen again again. Um, that's definitely a whole big thing. But like, just straight up being like, oh, Angel's back time to go murdering. That's not cool. Especially when that version of Angel is literally like the sentient human soul like version of him and you know this Xander you and Faith you both know this but Xander's jealous and Faith is Faith so they decide to go off on a murderous rampage and they nearly kill him and it's like dude totally not cool still in her friend group though because Xander certainly is a character isn't he one day I'll like Xander I'm sure I think the most effective person in relaying their side of the argument of angel bad no angel please was giles where he basically told buffy like hey the fact that you're still messing around with this guy after he tortured me for hours is like i mean i'm basically just quoting him at this point but it's like a huge lack of respect you don't respect anything i do and you don't respect me and buffy was just kind of like oh that's 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 yeah i gotta go make that up to him by by beheading a demon but 
that didn't get resolved, uh, which is probably my favourite thing about this episode. It's kind of left in the air, unresolved. At the end, the gang all get together and they're like, well, I guess Buffy's gonna do what Buffy's gonna do. And then Buffy goes and talks to Faith and she's like, hey, sorry, we, we had a fight. And Faith is like, that's okay, actually, no, it's not. I hate you now. So, interesting to see where things go from here. I saw spikers in the next episode, so I'm very excited for the next episode. Episode 8. Lovers Walk. Spike returns to Sunnydale and kidnaps Willow in hopes of creating a magic spell that will make Drusilla love him once more. Spike's back, and this time in limited edition heartbroken flavour, and it's amazing. This might be my favourite episode so far. It was fucking hilarious, but also super interesting, and it advanced, it advanced the development of loads of characters and the plot of the show, and it just did lots of things, and I'm really good at articulating them in this video I do where I talk about the things that I like about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I love how Spike's entrance was exactly the same as it was with his original entrance, where he just mows down the sign. He had some amazing lines in this episode where he's talking about how he bought a pretty jewels, pretty dresses, pretty girls in them. <laughs> I like how Buffy called him out on how that knowing him, her friends were probably uh, trapped in a warehouse somewhere and he was like, I'm not that stupid, what do you take me for? And then it cuts to them in the warehouse. Poor Oz though, poor Cordelia though, poor Buffy though. Hey everyone, it's the heartbreak episode. It's got a clear theme, all of the characters in the episode suffer heartbreak. Next episode is just gonna be a riot of laughs, I know it. Also, the fake out with Cordelia's funeral and supposed death didn't work on me because unfortunately I had foreknowledge that she appears in the Angel spin-off show, which I'm sure is what they're leading up to maybe in this season by the fact that they're kind of getting rid of Angel now. Goodbye smoulderingly boring handsome vampire, except I'm sure he's probably not gonna go like that easily. Hey, Buffy never apologised for sticking a sword through him and sending him to hell for hundreds of years, but I guess, you know, he kind of deserved it. I wish there was just a scene at the end of the episode where Giles returns and it's just like that gif from community where the guy walks in for pizza boxes and the entire room's on fire and it's like what the fuck happened while I was away? I did like the final scene though where Spike was like you know singing to himself in the car on his way back to Drusilla. It was good that Spike at least out of all of them got uh, got over his heartbreak and uh, is ready to carry on with life. I was gonna say I hope we see him again but uh, I know we see him again. Episode- <coughs> God damn it. Episode 9 the Wish. Cordelia's wish for a Buffy-free Sunnydale comes true, plunging her into a world where vampires have control of the town. It's one of them their alternate universe episodes where it's like, what if the protagonist never existed or didn't come and do the protagonist things? And those are always super depressing. Like seriously, it's just misery, 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 followed by misery, and then also what if this happened because it would cause misery, followed by extra misery for special serving. Of misery. Doctor Who did it with Turn Left, and that episode was miserable, but also fascinating. And now Buffy did it with this episode. Well, actually, they did it first with this episode because this came out first. Uh, and this was also depressing, but also super fascinating. Well, less fascinating than the Doctor Who one because the Doctor Who one went in depth on every single little thing that the Doctor did uh, that had an influence on that world, whereas Buffy was a little bit more broad in how it approached it. But still, before we get to all of the alternate universe timeline stuff, uh, I suppose I should say alternate timeline. And wow, I cannot speak. I suppose I should say alternate timeline instead of alternate universe. Um, but firstly, we've got to talk about Cordelia and the fact that she, first of all, this is an episode themed around her entirely and she dies halfway through it. That girl cannot catch a break. But, oh, <laughs> sorry, tickled myself. At least I enjoy my content. But also the conceit of her wishing that Buffy didn't come to Sunnydale 
um, is a little bit forced, it feels like, because she spends the entire episode being like, ah, Xander cheated on me, oh, everyone hates me because of Xander, and then Anya's like, oh, what do you wish for? And then Cordelia's like, well, this is Buffy's fault somehow, so I wish that Buffy didn't exist. I was like, oh, they just had to make her say that to get it to the plot that they wanted to tell. Anya, by the way, I'm pretty sure she remains in the series after this, and she becomes a good person, and then she's Giles' love interest, but I might have that memory completely wrong. Maybe she's fucking Xander's love interest, I don't know, honestly. That's the level of memory I have for stuff like this. I could be like, I think she's Giles' love interest, and then anyone who's remotely familiar with the show is like, dude, what the fuck, she's way younger than Giles. To which I say, listen up, she's a demon, and if my memory says that she might have been Giles' love interest, then I say it's possible that he fell in love with a demon, and she's a demon and she's in his shop a lot. And he has a shop later, I think. Anyway, let's get back to the episode. So yes, we get plunged into an alternate universe, Sunnydale, and everything is terrible because Buffy never came, so the Master Vampire's plan worked, and now he's just a little bit bored. He's like, I can't be asked to hunt people because we've already killed so many people. And I thought the introduction to this world was really cool, the way that they showed it through Cordelia, and it's like, um, no, what are you talking about? They died, and uh, you better get home soon, the curfew's gonna be on. And it's like, it's normal. And you know what that made me think about? 2020. No, I'm serious. Drop someone from 2019 into the middle of 2020, and they're walking around and they're going, wait, why is everyone wearing these masks? How come there's less people on the streets and less cars on the streets? It's like, it's, it's that kind of a thing, right? Was 2020 someone's evil wish? Am I in someone's fever dream right now? Is someone going to come along and dispel the horrible shit fest of a year that's been 2020? Moving on. It was super cool to see different takes on the characters, even if it was also super depressing at the same time. Like, vampire versions of Xander and Willow, and good lord Willow. Maybe tone it down a bit, love. The fact that they start killing off main characters left, right and centre towards the end of the episode is a very alternate timeline episode thing to do, isn't it? I still can't get over the fact that this is Cordelia's episode and she fucking dies. She gets killed by her ex-boyfriend who cheated on her midway through. That's such a Cordelia thing. In fact, the only ones of the main cast who are still alive at the end of the episode are Giles and Oz, because I guess Oz just gets a free pass. Like, even Buffy, Master Vampire kills her, which, you know, par for the course there, but this time he does it in a way that she can't really come back from. It was so goddamn miserable. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved it. Is this why people watch post-apocalypse movies and zombie stuff? Uh, it's just so bleak. I can't watch things that are bleak like that. It just, it stays with me. Like at the end of the episode, they're like, oh look, it's all good. Everyone's back. Everyone's fine. Everything's back to normal. They're all alive and happy and doing their thing. But then it's like, man, just the feeling of bleakness that this episode like puts forward to you, it just kind of sticks with me. Is that normal? I think that's normal, but maybe I just have a low tolerance to that kind of thing. Anyway, episode 10. Amends. As the Christmas holiday approaches, Angel is tormented by evil apparitions who want him to eliminate Buffy. It's the Christmas season and what better way to spread festive joy than have one of the main characters want to end his own life. That could be my opener for this episode or I could go with. Oh boy, a festive story about someone tormented by a ghost of Christmas past, where have I seen this before? I'm happy with either one, take your pick. So yeah, this was quite an emotionally charged episode, I think maybe they were holding off on to the Christmas season to kind of like reap the harvest of the idea of like joy and forgiveness and Christmas miracles and all of that stuff like how did it end up snowing when they kept saying it was so warm at that time of the year you know all this kind of stuff I really like how Giles was played this episode like how do you get Giles from a place where he 
wants to kill Angel to a point where he's helping Angel, and Xander as well kind of turned around, changed his tune, and was like, yeah, sorry, I've been a massive dick, and I need to make amends for what I've done. This whole episode has called amends. It's almost like there's a theme here. It still doesn't really solve the whole problem of what are we going to do about Angel being Angel, and Buffy being Buffy, and Buffy and Angel being Buffy and Angel, and all that kind of stuff, but, you know, what can you do? It's a season, not a movie. Faith was there too. First she was all, I'm Grumpy Faith, and then she was all, I'm Festive Faith, and that was her character arc for the last few episodes. <laughs> episode 11. Gingerbread. After discovering the corpses of two young children bearing a symbol linked to the occult, Joyce spearheads a campaign to rid Sunnydale of witches. And here the series introduces the most terrifying villain of all, the concern of fearful adults who do not understand what they are trifling with. Trifling with? Is that... Is that... Is that... Yeah, sure, we'll go for it. It wasn't until this episode that I really realised that we haven't dealt with the repercussions of Joyce learning that Buffy is a vampire slayer, so it was pretty fun that that was explored in this episode. Going so far as to burn your daughter at the stake, though, like, they didn't really go out of their way to say that Joyce was under some literal magical hex, um, but I'm guessing she was, because otherwise, that's pretty fucked up, my dude. Taking the word of two de dead ghost kids over, over your own daughter, who you're burning at the stake, that's pretty messed up, dude. I have to wonder how to get along after this episode. I'm sure it's never addressed again. We got to see uh, Willow's mother for the first time and see their interaction as mother and daughter, even if some of it is, you know, as her being a part of the Moo enchantment. Willow's idea of acting out and <laughs> being like, yeah, I'm a rebel, I do witch stuff, I I can cast spells, I can conjure the four elements, well, well, well two of them, and I'm dating a musician. <laughs> All of that stuff was really funny. Willow continues to be, objectively, the best character. Xander and Oz's rescue attempt was uh, pretty funny too. <laughs> They never addressed the fact that Giles's books got burned. I assume those were his books at the bottom of the stakes, um, which were being used as kindling for the burning and stuff. They never addressed that, which is a shame. They did address that Giles and, and Buffy's mum. Yeah, they. Yep. The fact that the demon in this episode is Hansel and Gretel, and that it's all about fairy tales turned on their heads and made grim and dark. Uh, made me think of Grimm, and again, I think I heard somewhere that some of the people who made Buffy went on to make Grimm, so that kind of makes sense that this is where that came from. So yeah, it was cool to see that. Anyway, that wraps up the first half of this season, and therefore, this video. Thank you very much for watching. I tried to go a little bit more in-depth this time on each episode, given that I have a little bit more time to work with. Um, I think I, I maybe skipped over a few two things too fast in season two because each half was like 18 minutes long. I'm not necessarily trying to hit a certain amount of length of time, I just think that maybe I have more room to talk to flesh out my thoughts and my feelings and my reactions. So that's what I'm doing. Let me know if you enjoyed it and I will see you very soon for Buffy season three part